Last week we talked about the Old Testament, how God desired so bad to show his presence to them, to be with them. But there was a problem. The problem was sin. Sin separated man from God. So here they had this tabernacle and they would have to kill an innocent animal. And and the the blood and the symbolism there was that sin had a a price. And it was that the payment of sin was death. And they would go in there with the the blood of sheep sheep and goats and things like that. And it would just make a temporary fix on that. But there was still this veil that separated them from God. God was in the Holy of Holies, shown his glory to them. And on the other side, it was man separated from them. This all changed in the New Testament. We explain this, how God would show the Shekinah glory, the presence of God in a man-made tent, tabernacle, temple, however you want to put it. And then God sent his son. He died on the cross. God rent the veil. He split it. He ripped it in half. And man no longer had a separation. And God said, now you are my temple. I will step into your life because you've been bought with a price. You've been purchased. The blood of Jesus Christ has covered your sin. You don't have to go back and redo it because the blood of Jesus Christ was perfect and it finished and paid for all of our sins. And then in the New Testament, I know what I am. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. But then we have this other thing because remember we're getting in. We want to really know What the church is. And people sit there and say, go to church, be in church. I attend church. I'm a member of the church. But what does that mean? And I'm not just saying, you know, the the building wise, but what does that mean for us as God's people? So let's get into Matthew 16 and 18. And you say, why are you starting here? This was the first mention of the word church. This is where it was. And I say unto you that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build. Jesus said, I'm going to do something. He said, I'm going to build my church. When we, when we built the new building, that was the first largest project that I've ever been in. Let me tell you, when we went into it, before it was done, before we even got into it, we knew what we were going to do with it. We knew what it was going to look like. We had a plan and we had a purpose for the building of that building. Let me tell you, when Jesus died on the cross... And he looked upon all of you that are here today. He said, guys, I want you to know, I'm not just doing that so you can sit. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. And what I'm going to do, that, that, that word ecclesia in this uh, verse, the word church, is the collection, the gathering. You say, well, what, what is that? Look over your shoulder right now. This is what it was. What you see right now was what God described as the church. And, and today we've got a problem when people build a building and, and they, they, they label something as church because it's got stained glass windows, because it's got a steeple. None of those things are in the Bible. They're not bad. They're not bad. But I'm telling you, if we start labeling that as the church, then we've lost what Jesus died for. We know this, well, this word very well. But do we understand what he was doing? Let me tell you guys right now, if this building that we're sitting in right now was the burn of the ground, next week we could still have church. If our government stood up and said, we are canceling all religious activities, there's no more gathering together in these buildings called churches, we would still be the church. 
There is nothing in this world that can change what we have because it's not a building, it's not a place, it's the gathering of God's people. And it's powerful. It's powerful. You say, what do you mean it's powerful? Today we're going to talk about the strength of the church. How, how building, when God said, I'm going to build something, and let me tell you right now, it's going to, it's going to be stronger that they, you, you can imagine as the disciples followed Jesus and they cast out demons and they saw the possessed and they saw the dead and they saw all these, the witchcraft and the evil and all these things that they did and all these, all these things that came out of the pits of hell, all these works of Satan. And Jesus makes this claim to them and said, hey guys, come here. Hey Peter, come here. Let me tell you guys something. I'm not just going to die on the cross, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to build something. Okay, Lord, what are you going to build? Well, let me tell you guys, don't, don't downplay this. But it's going to be so strong what I'm going to do that all the pits of hell and the evil of this world and the army of Satan could never stand against it when we're gathered together as God's people. I, I, I had some weird looks and I was expecting that last week as I was getting into uh, the, the whole message. And, and, I, and I know when I kicked over that cat, uh, trash can that everybody was like... <gasps> You know, and I just, and I was trying to explain, okay, this, you're to be holy because you have the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. There's a problem when we begin to worship and be able to hold up and say, oh, this is holy. And the Lord says, no, that's, that's, that's plastic or that's carpet or that's whatever. And God says, don't, don't, don't get your focus off. You're holy. You're holy. You're holy. You're to be holy. You, you say, this is a holy place. Lord, fill the spirit. That's because God's presence is here because God's people are here. But if we get that off, we get everything off. And then we end up just like idol worshipers where we begin to put the attention on things and items. Let, let me give you, how many of you love this right here? How many of you love it? Without apology, amen? I love it. I, I, let, me, let me tell you right now, I, I, I love what the stars represented, 50, 50 states coming together to form our union. I love what the red stands for. Because it represents the freedom that we have because of the sacrifice that was made. When people take this flag and they throw it on the ground or they burn it, all I got to say is don't do it in front of me. So well, you're a preacher. Well, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to beat you down. <laughs> Am I the only one that feels that way? No. Now you can come back and say, well, Pastor Tony, that's just a piece of material. Let me tell you, this piece of material stands for something. I love what it stands for. I love what it represents. I love when, the, when, when things are, are, are down and gloomy and they, they raise up that flag. It's a symbol of, hey, you're fighting for people. You're fighting for something that matters. Let, let me tell you guys right now. You might just call this a piece of material, but I'm going to tell you right now, you ought to respect this. For what it stands for, for what it represents... And what was given for us allowed to, 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 have, to wave that in our nation today. Yes. Let's roll it over. I love this place. I love coming in here. I love what it accomplished. I love the, the fact that when they sat down, they said, we're going to make rows here. We're going to put an altar here. We want to set the pulpit here. Why? Because of a purpose. Yes. Blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice, everything. You walk in here and say, man... I love coming in this place. I was saved right there. My, my son was baptized right there. 
I, I remember that I, I got married right here and all these things come here and you say, what about it? Do you know what I love about this? I love the purpose that God gave this place to us. Yes. It represents something. It stands for something. It means something. Don't worship it. Respect it. And I, I think some people, you, you sit there and you, you downplay it too much and then, then all of a sudden it doesn't matter. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm just saying that the Lord did not die for bricks. He did not die for carpet. And all of a sudden we can get so mad reading the Old Testament how they worshipped brick, stone, idols, and possessions. And then all of a sudden we go from a wood pulpit to a glass pulpit and everybody's like, I don't know where this church is going. <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's see. Yep, it works. <laughs> it does the job. I, I, this, this is why we came here. Not because of the color of this. Do you guys see, see what I'm saying? It's just, we get so caught up and we've got all these great memories of, I remember when it was wood or I remember when the chairs were wood. We all remember that. <laughs> but they're tools used to reach people. God died for people. This place is special because of the people. Respect it. Respect is a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something due to their abilities, the qualities, or their achievements. America has its problems. But I still love America. It has been given to us by God. All right, let's move on. (laughs) Matthew 16, 18. What makes the church so strong? And listed in this verse right here, there's only two points today, but that doesn't mean you're getting out early. He said, Peter, Peter's name meant rock. And the Lord said, you're a little rock and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the big rock. I'm, I'm the rock that does not move. And he said, I'm going to do something great. I'm, I'm going I'm to build something that's so strong. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. We've got we've to get real. If this is all so true... And God said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Then why in America do 4,000 churches shut their doors every year? Why are 94% of all churches plateaued or declining in America? And so, well, I don't know. Well, because when we get away from this verse of what he says the purpose is, we lose the strength and the power of the church. He said, well, I think, I think. He says, no, let, guys, step aside. I'm going to build this. Peter, thank you for your work. James, John, I appreciate it, but I'm going to do this. When God does it, it does not fail. It cannot fail when God does it. So here's the two things. What makes the church so strong? Number one, the foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, I know you're all going to sit there and go, oh, here we go again. One of those, well, we all know that, Pastor Tony. Let, Let me explain this. The Bible explains the church or Jesus Christ being the rock, the rock that won't move, the rock that never fails, the rock that will not change. Jesus told that, gave this example, and he said, hey, there's those that will build their house upon the sand. When the winds come, when the trials come, when the government steps in, when people say that we don't need the church, all these other things, and it beats upon there, it will fall because it's built upon the sand. But when it's built upon the rock and the winds blew, and the water beat against it, and the winds came through it, 
The Bible said it stood strong. Why? Because it was built upon the rock. I, I know this is so cliche, but if we don't get this, see, you say, what is the rock? I'm going to explain it like this. this is, we're going we're gonna to build a church today, so here we go. This is the part that I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but we're just going to do it. This is our foundation, just to visualize it. It's, this is the rock. Okay, it, it is stable. God said, build it on this, not this plastic table. But visualize, when you build it on this, you are building it upon Jesus Christ. But the Bible explains that for us, and you say, well, what does that mean? We, we sit here and say the name of Jesus. No, the Bible explains that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When God says, build it upon Jesus Christ or the rock, the rock is Jesus. Jesus' word is the word that was made flesh. And we study God's word and we obey what it says. What it says. What it says. The direction, the foundation, the things that we implement, the things that, the rock is things that do not move. The rock does not change. Don't mess with changing what God has said. Don't put your spin on it. Don't take away from it. that's, That's what the world has done. And let me tell you, the world has sat there and said, I feel, I feel, I don't feel there, it's there, I feel like it's my body and I can kill this baby if I want to. See, when you put feelings into it, there is a problem. Because man did that which was right in his own eyes. And when they did that, they begin to kick out God and they begin to do their own thing. When man did their own thing, we changed marriage, we changed what was life, we changed what was right, we changed morality, we changed all those. Because man did what they felt feelings in their own minds. Be careful when your statement about what the church should be or how you think it ought to be when it starts, well, I just feel. We build it upon the rock. We build it upon Jesus. We teach the word of God. If it is this, it will not fail cannot fail when it's from God it cannot fall apart and here's the thing we don't have to vote on it you don't have to put it on a ballot and say well I think marriage is this God says I already made that choice I already declared what that is see see we're not the falter eh? I'm trying to get the point across this is truth and truth does not change that's why in 2 Timothy 4 2 he said preach the truth be instant in season, not season. You know what he meant by that? Preach the word of God when it's popular and when it is not popular. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. See, we live in a changing world with an unchanging gospel. God has not changed, nor will he. Matter of fact, he promised this in Psalms 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. He, he said that that gospel, what it was right and wrong, what was marriage, what was all those things of morality, everything. He said what, what was good for Billy Sunday, what was good for your mom, what was good for your grandma, what will be good for your kids. I'm getting somewhere. Method changes, doctrine does not. If we would get this, the world would be a better place. Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus did not pick up kids on a bus. You know why we pick up kids on a bus? Because it works. 
It is a method used to obey the commission that he's given us. The command is to go. The method is the bus. Jesus said, the study that show thyself approved. Jesus did not use a laptop or an iPad. How many of you guys like to use an iPad or, or a laptop to study or read or whatever? Raise your hand. Okay, that's probably about a third of the people in here. See, the, the command is to study. The method is the technology, the book, the pages, whatever you want to do. The methods must match its generation or that generation will not be reached. Go into what Jesus did. Jesus did. You guys would flip out if I did some of the things that Jesus did. Jesus preached from a boat. Now, I've done some crazy things, but I've never preached from a boat. I've preached on a boat. I've never preached from a boat. He evangelized from a cross. Paul actually wrote and preached from jail. Stephen preached while he was being stoned. They met and took communion in the upper room. They met in underground churches. They preached from the streets. Jesus actually taught on the side of a mountain. He did what he needed to do to meet that generation. God's word does not change. Do not add to it. Do not take away from it. But Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on the foundation of the word of God. Here we go into the visual of this. Jesus said, I'm going to build a church. I'm going to do this. But I need the foundation. I need you to know what does not change. Does not change. The second part, what is the strength of the church? Is the unity of the believers. You get into that upon this rock, I will build my church. C-H-U-R-C-H. That word means a called out assembly of believers. The gathering of the saints. However you want to put it, it is the collection of God's people a bunch of the presence of God or the temple of the Holy Ghost coming together one by one by one, forming a building. And Jesus gives this, this visual or this testimony of this. Peter was the one that Jesus was giving this to. Later in the book of Peter, actually I don't always do this. Take your Bibles to 1 Peter 2.5. I want you to look this up. 1 Peter 2.5. 1 Peter 2.5. You want to know what Jesus described us or, or what Paul was saying here when he was building this church? Look how cool this is. He said, ye also, as lively stones. <clears throat> you see, you cannot build a church. And, and Jesus was giving them this visual illustration. Are built upon a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So here's what Jesus, Jesus began to give them this illustration about building up a spiritual house. And he said, you are a lively stone. And he said, how in the world can a stone be alive or lively like that? That's, that just does not make sense. It can't in the respect of what they were thinking of the Old Testament. But this is what Jesus did. He said, you're alive in what? In Christ. <clears throat> so here we go. We're going to build a church. And this is going to get really weird. So we're going to use me as the first illustration of this. All right. Jesus saved me. And he sat me on the rock. He came into my heart. And you're going to say there's nothing special about that rock. There is something very special about that rock. Because that rock is alive in Christ. He pulled me out of being nothing. And he sat me on the rock. I'm a little rock like Peter on the big rock of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you. God did not establish the church for anyone to be alone. 
It's not to be by yourself. See, God had a plan, and that's why when people say, well, I can just worship God at home, and I know I say this all the time, you cannot accomplish what Jesus was saying in your living room. And I'm not talking about shut-ins. They don't come to church. I'm talking about willing, able bodies that God has called to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. He said, you are to come together to form the church. I started thinking of that. How many verses in the Bible all explain this principle? Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking. Now this is the number one verse that we use for what we're doing today. Now we have blown this up into, oh my goodness, tons and tons of things that what is the church and you must and you can't and you can. All these things, but it comes down to this. This was the whole thing. If you were to clean the table and say, what is church? He said, don't forsake the assembling of you guys coming together. As a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. You cannot exhort, build up, call near, edify one another if you're not around each other. You know what God was saying? God's saying, you need the dude and the lady next to you. You need them. So God began to do something cool. I'm going to pick on you, John. Come with me. Come with me. We're going to build a church. You ready? All right, God called you out of darkness. And all I need you to do is stand right here. That's it. There we go. It's going to be powerful, dude. And what God can do, and I promise you, God's illustration, he said, this, this isn't going to falter and fall apart. God said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. This is going to be a spiritual house. You know what that means? That what brings us together is the foundation of Jesus Christ. Not your feelings, not your opinions, not what you think. We all have different feelings and opinions about things. But it's what God does of bringing us all together. It's what God does that's so unique. It's what God does that is so special. It is different than anything else in the world. It's different than anything else that we believe. Taraja, will you help me? Am I going to scare you? Come on up. Me and Taraja are tight. She was in my youth group back when I had hair. Remember that? <laughs> Taraja, I need you to go stand next to John. We're going to do something. We're going to build a church. You might not get it, but I, I need you guys to just follow me. Every stone that God assembles matters. Every stone, because God has this plan to make it strong. So I, I read this other verse. All these verses started coming together. As he builds a church, it all made sense. Ephesians 4, 16, we'll pull it up. I want you to read this. Whom the whole body does what? Fitly joined together. You know what God was saying? Saying, Here, here's the thing. I, I, am I, if I'm going to build a house that's going to last, you know what God does? God puts us together. God assembles us together. Brother Fenwick, can you help me out? Would you mind being a rock? I'll be a rock. All right. I need you to come and stand next to Taraja. And let me tell you what God did when God brought Brother Fenwick here. God did something very special. He put him as part of the body of Christ. And you say, why are churches falling apart? Because they don't get this principle. They, they don't get this principle. I'm telling you. Steve, can you help me? Can you, can you be a rock? Sure. All right. I need you to go stand up to next to Brother Fenwick. I'm going to tell you what God's doing. 
God's building something that is so strong. Now, I, I didn't even fully get this principle until I studied this out. Did you guys notice that all these stones are not the same? Okay, just want to make sure. Mrs. Mrs. Fenwick, would you help me? I already grabbed your lovely husband. If you'll go stand next to uh, Brother Steve, what we're doing is Jesus is, Jesus is building, he's building a house. He's, build, he's building a church. I tell you, if you ran into that, that'd be pretty strong. Let me, let me keep reading because there's so much more. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.16, from the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. We've, we've got to be unified. We, we've got to be unified on these things. You have to be. Because by that which every joint supplieth, the Spirit of God, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, Spirit of God. You know why we could sit here and talk about Buckeyes, and half the church does this, and half the church does this. We could talk about the Green Bay Packers versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. We could talk about Ford versus Chevy, and we all this. But I can tell you, when we come together and we start talking about Jesus Christ, we're all in. And the thing is, what God said is being just these stones, and of yourself, you'll get weak and tired, but God said, what I need is you to be fitly joined together, united, connected, because every joint supplieth or ministers to the other one according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Maketh what? Oh my goodness. How many of you guys are hungry? All right. We don't get lunch until we leave here. Maketh what? Well, that was still pathetic. Make an increase of the body. You know what God is doing? God is building up an army. God is building up this wall and he keeps adding to it. This is my last stone, so it's okay. And the verse keeps going and says this. And make an increase of the body to the edifying of itself in love. And I can tell you, this right here, you might say it isn't much, but God doesn't see this. God sees this. The visual was this because they were sitting there going, hey, the temple, the temple, the temple. And God was saying, yes, the temple, the temple, the temple. That is, you're saying, man, that looks strong. That looks tight. That looks secure. And God says, no, that must be strong. That must be secure. That must be tight. That's what he was saying. Let, let, let me read you some more verses. Romans 12, 4, we have many members in one body and all members, not the same office. You say, man alive, this is quite the variety of people. We've got a young lady. We've got a mature man. (laughs) (laughs) You've got the variety of styles and people. Romans 12, 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one of the members one of another. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also in Christ, every one of us matter. You say, well, when the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you know why the church has failed? Do you know why churches decline? You know why either we get off the rock or we start dividing? And God hates it. 
And you know what we divide over? Not this, not this, not this, but what I think and what I feel. If I was to sit here and talk to you guys right now and say, hey, how many of you love Jesus? Every hand would go up. How many of you believe that Jesus died on the cross? How many believe we're going to heaven? How many of you believe? Those are the things that should unite us. But, but let's say, how many of you believe that we should use an iPad versus a, a, a regular paper book? How many of you believe that it should be a hymnal in your hand or words on a screen? How many of you believe, and I, I could go on and on and on, and all of a sudden we have all these differences, and the Bible says those are not the things that were to bring you together. But those are often the things that divide us. You know what? God looks at and says, wow. Where did you, you get that? Well, maybe on that card, but. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12.4 Now there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. There are divis- diversities of operations, but the same God which worketh in all. 1 Corinthians 12.25 It says that there should be no schisms in the body. But that every member should have the same care for one another. You know what the word schism there means split or gap. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 25, and Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself cannot stand. Matthew 16, 18. Upon this rock, I will build my church. I'll do it my way. These are the things that you build it upon. This is what matters. I will build, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know what a gate is? Now, first of all, this is a word picture that God is giving us. There's no gate in hell. There's no waiting line. And you know, you know what I'm saying? So God's giving this visual. And I started thinking about that thought. We have this all wrong when we think of this verse. A, the, the gates don't attack. Gates are put up to defend. Have you ever thought of that? You know, we're not afraid of gates. You close the gate to defend what you have. You realize that God was creating an army. And Satan is over here with his, all, his, all of his army behind it. It wasn't a fear of the gates of hell triumphing over the church. But the church invading the gates of hell. We're on the offense. They were on the defense. They're the ones closing the gates. We're the ones charging through them. The church ought to come together and rather than be divided over petty things and preferences and ideas and feelings and emotions, God said, may we come together, stand together through Jesus Christ, ready to charge into the darkness to make a difference. When Satan looks up and he says, boys, we better be careful. Do you see what they're doing up there? Let's charge through it. It'd be like running through that. He said, I'm going to build up lively stones. I'm, I'm going to build up a church. I'm going to build up something strong. I'm going to build up something that will go through the changes of generations. I'm going to build up something as long as they're on Jesus, as long as they're on the rock, as long as they're on God's word. That's why every class, every teacher, everything should start with open your Bible. Not who feels this way and how I feel about this. You guys can be seated. I believe that things are going to get harder. You know the last part of that verse? Forsake not the assembling of yourself together or the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the days approaching. Let me tell you guys right now. 
It's going to get worse before it gets better. He said, what are we going to do? We're going to stand together. We're going to fight with whatever they throw on a ballot. We're going to fight no matter how they push God out of schools. We're going to fight back when they say that they're going to tax the church. We're going to fight back. We're going to stand together. United, we stand. Divided, we fall. So why are you saying this? As long as we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we can run the race. You get your eyes on anything else, we will be another statistic. I love you guys all very, very much. But I believe in the months coming ahead in 2016, it needs to be the best year that we've ever had. You say, why is that? Because, man, I see see the signs of the times. I I see the changing of the direction of our our nation. I I see what's happening. I, I see prophecy fulfilling. I see all these things happen around us. And we've got to get together rather than being divided. God says, come together, stand together, stand firm, get on the rock. Know what you believe and stand on it.